For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Well, good morning, everybody. What an exciting day uh, to be part of our church of what God's doing here. So why don't we give everybody a hand who got baptized today. We had four people today, two in this service and then two in the 9 a.m. service. And so on your way in, um, you got a Connect card that I want to ask you to pull out. And if you are a guest with us, we just want to say welcome. We're excited that you're with us today. If you're with us online uh, as a guest or a regular, we're just excited that you've joined us. And if you are a guest on your way out, you'll notice there's a table next to the door uh, with some gift bags there. Uh, it's just our way of saying thanks for being with us. You can grab one of those on your way out. But we would love every one of us uh, to fill out a Connect card. This is something we do each week. Um, it's just a way for one, to know that you're with us, but also two, you'll notice there's some next steps at the bottom um, that we'll get to some of those at the end of today. But we believe um, that every one of us has a next step with God. And so, um, and our goal, what we want to do is help you to take that next step. And so, um, one of them might be getting baptized. Maybe after watching today, you think, man, I want to take that next step of getting baptized and publicly declaring my faith. And so you can check that box at the bottom. But while you're filling that out, I want to let you know a couple of updates of things that are going on. Uh, one, last Sunday, uh, when we were online together, um, I shared that on October 31st, um, instead of gathering here for our services and worshiping together, we're actually going to worship by going to serve in our community. And so it's one of the things that we really want to do. We want to be known as a church that is blessing the community around us, um, that is bringing things to the community as we're talking about dealing hope in our world. Uh, one of the best ways for us to do that is to serve our community. And so right now um, on our website, if you go there, you'll see a banner that says Serve Sunday. We've already had um, close to 40 people sign up for it, um, which is an exciting thing. And so you want to make sure you sign up because we're going to have t-shirts that, so that way when we're out in the community, um, you know, it's, it's something that stands out to people. Uh, but right now we have six projects. We might have seven. Um, and, and they are ones that you can do with your whole family. So if you have kids, they can be part of it because, you know, as a parent, and, and I just think, man, what a great way for our kids to see us serving and just blessing our community around us. And so that'll be October 31st. And so uh, we'll have some projects here at the church that we're doing. We're also doing ones um, in different parts um, of the area. The other thing to let you know about is that we are beginning um, a search for a next-gen pastor. And so we are beginning to look for somebody who will oversee uh, kids and student ministries here at Community Covenant. And so um, this process is just getting started. We're just putting a search team together. We're working with Vanderblumen, who is the company um, that we worked with when um, you hired me. And so we're going to be working with them again. And so uh, this is going to take, just to kind of temper our expectations about it, this will probably take six to 12 months as we go through this process and find the right person to lead our kids in student ministries. And so um, I, I'm in the process of, of building that search team, also just interviewing parents and leaders and students um, uh, just about who, who it is as a leader and a pastor that we need. So I want to encourage you to be praying for that. Uh, we'll be giving updates as that happens. Probably uh, the next big update will be after the new year. Uh, but wanted to let you know that we're beginning that process. And so that's something I would ask you to just be praying for. Um, to, because we really want to be a church that blesses family, that partners with parents, 
um, to disciple their kids. And so I um, want to let you know about that. The other thing, the last thing to let you know about is in this next season, um, we are going to move back to being in one service together. And so on November 7th, the week after our serve Sunday, we'll begin in one gathering at 9.30 um, just to start being together. Um, as, we have, as I've come in over these last three months, I have just really felt the need for us to be together in one room for this next season of just building momentum, seeing each other, worshiping together. And so starting November 7th, um, we will meet in here at 9 30 and just gather together. Um, and, and I think that's going to really help us in this next season because one of the things that we really need is to be together and to be unified in that. And so it's going to really help us to move further together as a church. So I want to let you know about that. Um, I, I know that many of you come at 1030 and, you know, so just pretend that we're, you know, turning our clocks back one hour every single week and you'll make it. It'll be totally fine. You'll be able to do it. Um, and, and so, uh, so that'll happen on November 7th. Um, at 9.30. And so I want to ask you to, to stand um, as we read today's passage from Philippians chapter 2, and then I'll pray and we'll dive in together. So this is what it says in God's Word in Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 through 30. The Apostle Paul is writing in prison. He says, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. And for this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious." Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true and authoritative in our lives. And I pray today that as we talk about these three friends, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, and as we talk about the impact that we make through relationships, God, each one of us, has circles of people around us, circles of influence that you have placed us in. You have placed us there strategically and intentionally so that we can bring the gospel and bring hope into those relationships. And so I just pray that we would see how to do that in everyday, ordinary ways in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. You, you know, one of the things that as we are, are getting close to the end of the year, is many people will begin to start thinking about New Year's goals and resolutions. Now, maybe, uh, maybe you made ones in uh, the beginning of this year that were the ones you made in 2020 because you just didn't get to it because of COVID. Um, but many of us will start to ask, you know, how do I become more intentional next year? 
People will start new budgets, uh, will begin new schedules. Maybe you'll sit down and you'll write out, this is my ideal schedule, and hopefully you'll do it for more than three days. Um, you know, you'll make a goal, and, and it's going to be a great goal. You know, but deep down, underneath all of those things is a desire for our lives to count, is a desire for our lives to have purpose, to have meaning, because all of us wonder, at the end of the day, we flop down on the couch, we lay down in bed, and we wonder, did I do anything that mattered? Did people notice that I was there? And we'll wonder too this week, if I didn't show up on that Zoom meeting, would anybody notice? We'll wonder if I, if I didn't do that, if I didn't respond to that text or email, would anybody notice? Because deep down, we want to know that our lives count. And this comes from all kinds of places. This comes from our family of origins and the stories that we carry. Maybe for you, you had, you had a family that was incredibly successful. And so you feel like for your life to count, it has to have a certain level of success, a certain notoriety, a, a certain amount of money, a certain influence with it. If you're a student, one of the things within our culture that, that you hear again and again is really the amount of meaning you have in life is based off of the platform you have on social media. And so there's all this desire to have more notoriety, to have more influence based off of how many likes and how many hearts and how many retweets you get because we want our lives to matter, to count. Now, sometimes we'll think things like, well, I missed my chance. My time has passed. You know, I, I, I'm too old or, or maybe you'll think I'm too young for my life to really matter or you think, you know, I just don't have the education or, or I have this life situation or I have this health issue. Sometimes we'll have this feeling that, you know, my life can't matter because I was maybe an accident and my parents told me, you know, you were a pleasant surprise slash accident that we weren't planning for. And so then there's this feeling of, can my life even matter or count with that story. But underneath it, all of us want to know that people see us, that people know we're there. We wanna know that we're making an impact. Now here's what's interesting in Philippians. As we're going through the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians is for many people their favorite book. It's, it, it's their place where there are so many Christian motivational posters and coffee mugs with verses from Philippians. So many of them. But do you know what you will never find on a coffee mug or a poster? No one will ever say that their life verse is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. Because in many ways, when you read through Philippians, you get to this part where Paul talks about two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and it feels like a, a passage that many times we would just skip past. We just go, I don't know who these guys are. I, I don't know what they have to do with anything. The one guy, I can't even pronounce his name. And so, and, and we'll go on to the next chapter. But what's interesting as we're going through Philippians is that Philippians, the theme of it is all about how we find hope and joy. But in every single part of Philippians is also threaded in there the power of relationships. And here is Paul sitting in a prison. And as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, a, in, a, in the first century when paper is not readily accessible, he decided, you know what? I'm gonna spend 11 verses writing about two guys. 
11 verses, writing about two people. Two people that, at least for Epaphroditus, doesn't really show up in Scripture again. Now, Timothy does. Timothy is somebody who, who then goes on to plant other churches. But here's why this is important. Here's why I draw all this out. Because what Paul shows us is how God uses people and how God uses ordinary people. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who genuinely care about your interest. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. Now, if you remember in the context of this, in chapter two, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, at the beginning of chapter two, Paul says the best relationships are when those look to the interests of other people instead of to their own. And so then in, in verse five, Paul says that we are to adopt the attitude of Jesus. And the way we do that is to look to the interests of others, to serve others instead of ourselves. And so what he does in these verses is he says, this is how you do that. Because we could read through verses five through 11 and say, okay, Paul, that's great that Jesus did it, but that's Jesus. And so, you know, and it could maybe make us feel like we have an out because, well, that's Jesus over there. And so Paul says, well, let me just tell you about two guys. Now, here's what's interesting about Timothy is that historically we know that Timothy was like a son to Paul. Timothy, we, we know very little, next to nothing about his father. He was raised by his mother and grandmother who passed their faith on to him. But Timothy was really raised in his faith then as an adult by Paul. Paul was his spiritual father. Paul was the one who mentored him and discipled him, who poured into him, who challenged him. If you read through 1 and 2 Timothy, you hear the words of challenge of Paul saying, Timothy, rise up and be the leader that you're supposed to be. Have courage, because Timothy, one of the themes in all the writings of Paul to Timothy was Timothy is afraid of everything. He's just scared. And Paul is writing, Timothy, have courage. Step into the life that God has for you. Stop standing on the sidelines. Stop making excuses about your young age and start leading. Now, what's amazing is that as Paul is pouring into Timothy, Timothy then begins pouring into other people, people who are younger than him and then people who are older than him. And here's what this shows us. As we make a, an impact with our lives, one of the things that we see is that all of us, should have a relationship like Paul, where we have somebody who's pouring into us, and all of us then should be a Paul to somebody else that we're pouring into. Now, here's what I'll hear a lot of times. Well, you know what, Josh? You know, I just don't know enough to, like, disciple somebody. I don't know enough to be a community group leader. I'm just not at the place where I could actually serve yet. So I just need to work on my stuff, and I'm just not far enough along. But here's what's interesting. So today... Before the first service, I went downstairs to circle up with our community kids leaders. And as I looked around the circle, I saw people of all ages. And in those rooms, you'll see a seventh grader sitting on the ground with preschoolers pouring into them. Now, a seventh grader could go, well, who? What do I know? Just a seventh grader. Well, that seventh grader knows more than that preschooler. So each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, each one of us is further than somebody. 
And so the challenge as we think about making our lives count is who is further than us that we're learning from and who are we further than that we're teaching, that we're pouring into? And so Paul and Timothy have this relationship where Paul pours into Timothy and then Timothy goes and plants churches. And, and what Paul tells him in First and Second Timothy is raise up leaders, pour into other people in the same way that I poured into you. And he says, I am sending Timothy to you for these reasons. Look at verse 20. He says, because he genuinely cares about your interests. He genuinely cares. It's not just an act, right? We know when someone genuinely cares for us and when somebody is just caring for us to get something from us. Like we know when somebody is just kind of showing an interest so that we'll maybe be on their side or do what they want. But he says, no, Timothy genuinely cares. And he says, and you know him. And he says, and while the other people care for themselves, Timothy cares and lives for the things of Jesus. And he has, look at verse 22, he has proven character. So at this point, the church who's getting this, the church in Philippi could say, yeah, Paul, you know what? That may be the Timothy you know, but we know a different Timothy. <laughs> but he's saying, no, you can take this to the bank that he has proven character. He genuinely cares for other people. See, on the heels of this, Paul is saying, adopt the attitude of Jesus. And then he says, this is how you do it. And so this is how we adopt the attitude of Jesus. It is genuinely caring for others, living for the things of Jesus, and having a proven track record of good character. That we adopt the attitude of Jesus when we genuinely care for others, we live for the things of Jesus, and have a proven track record of good character. And because of this, Timothy made his life count. But here's the question. Are you and I willing to adopt the attitude of Jesus? Are you and I willing to genuinely care for other people even if they won't care for us back? Are we willing to go and serve people who maybe will never do anything for us but just take advantage of our serving? Are we willing to focus on the things of Jesus, to live for the things of Jesus even when and especially when those things disagree with what we really want to do? And will we make hard choices for proving character? See, we make our lives count when we put people first, we focus on Jesus and are trustworthy. We make our lives count when we put people first, we focus on Jesus and are trustworthy. So here's a quick evaluation, and if you want something really fun to talk about on the way home from church today and at lunch, you can ask these questions to the people with you. Do the people closest to you, would they say that you genuinely care for others first? Or do you care for yourself? Do you care for certain people more than others? Do you care for certain kinds of people more than others? Do you care for only people who can give things back to you? Do you focus on the things of Jesus? Here's a way to know. Is there anything in your life that Jesus disagrees with? Any belief, any thought process? If you can't think of something, there's a chance that you have molded Jesus into your image instead of the other way around. There should be something in your life that Jesus goes, yeah, that's just not, that's not at all what I said. There's things in my life that I have to continually confess where Jesus goes, yeah, Josh, that's, yeah, no. And are you trustworthy? You see, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that impact is felt 
and measured in relationships. Impact is felt and measured in relationships because in relationships you are known, your character is proven or disproven in relationships, you are able to care for others, you are able to serve others or not serve others. In relationships, people see if you prioritize the things of Jesus or if you just do it when it works for you or kind of benefits you. And the best way to deal hope and bring hope to the world is through relationships. See, and Timothy was a hope dealer in the way that he treated people. But he doesn't just talk about Timothy. He tells us about Epaphroditus. This is what he says in verse 25. He says, but I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, coworker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. And for this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Now, Epaphroditus, we know from church history, is a member of the Philippian church. Now, here's why this matters. Epaphroditus, to come and be with Paul and visit him in prison, had to travel 700 miles. Now, do you know how far 700 miles is from here? So I looked it up. We are 320 miles from Baltimore. We are 600 miles from Detroit. If you were to drive to Charlotte, you still would not drive 700 miles. Now, I wanna ask you this. How many people in your life will you drive 700 miles to see? How many people in your life would drive 700 miles to see you, to help you? Now, how many of those people would walk? Right, I mean, some of us have a really hard time even finding people willing to help us move. But here's a guy who is so close to Paul that he walks and gets on a boat to sail 700 miles to be with him. See, that is impact. That is impact in a relationship. That is closeness in a relationship. Because for many of us, if we get invited to dinner at somebody's house, we just think, do I really like them? Like, do I really want to have that person over? But do we have anyone close enough to us that we would say, I would walk 700 miles to help that person in a crisis? See, what Paul is saying, he's showing us the depth. And this is important too, especially, especially for men. The older men get the lack of deep relationships they have. For Paul to be in this place where he is later in life and is having friends who will say, I will travel 700 miles so that you don't sit in prison by yourself. I mean, this is the same power as when people say, hey, I'm going to come and sit at the hospital so you're not sitting alone while that person is in surgery. I'm going to show up to be there with you. That's the person who flies across the country to show up at the funeral of your loved one. You know, and when you see him, you say, you didn't, you didn't have to come. You didn't need to be here. That's the depth of that relationship. 
because impact is felt and measured in relationships. Do you think Paul sits there and thinks, man, I wonder if my life counts. I wonder if I did anything worthwhile. No, he sits there and says, look at this. There's somebody who traveled 700 miles to be with me. This is the way that God has used my life. I'm not sitting here alone like everybody else in prison. See, and the reason that I think Paul tells us about Timothy and, and Epaphroditus is because Timothy is afraid, he lacks courage, he, he, is, he never wants to step into anything. You know, he's the person who says, you know what, I'll just wait for the next time for that opportunity to come around. You know, maybe I missed my chance, maybe I'm too young, maybe I'm too old. And, and Paul says, no, 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 it doesn't matter how little courage you have, God still can make your life count. And he says, and take Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus is sick. He almost died. You are never too sick. You are never too old for God to use your life. You are never too this or that or the other thing for God to say, well, you know what? Like, if you weren't that, I could have used you. Instead, Paul says, look at how God uses everyone to make an impact. Look at how he uses everybody. See, but there's a couple other things about their lives that are important. One, making an impact. For Timothy, we see, it will take us out of our comfort zone. Making an impact will mean we have to face some fears. We're gonna step into some things that we feel completely unprepared for. We feel completely afraid about. And for Epaphroditus, we start to see that making an impact will involve some pain, some difficulty, some hardship. Let me tell you about how this has played out in my life. So when I was in sixth grade, the student ministry at the church that I went to And this is our goal here. This is our hope for kids and student ministries here. The small groups were set up so that when you entered sixth grade, you would have two small group leaders. And the goal was that they would walk at least through eighth grade with you and hopefully all the way to 12th grade. It didn't always happen. But our hope here is that in elementary school, like in kindergarten and first grade, there would be a small group leader that would walk with that same group into fifth grade. So they would walk through all the transitions of life. And so in sixth grade, there were about 12 to 15 of us in this small group. And if you've ever hung around with sixth grade boys, the smells, the rabbit trails, the craziness that they have, I mean, it, it, it is not like the ideal small group. There's not a whole bunch of people thinking, you know what, do you know who I want to mentor and disciple? Sixth graders. And this was a group, looking back, I mean, we were punk sixth grade kids. We were not an easy group at all. I remember when we got to sixth grade, we had all known each other. I mean, we had grown up together, going to the same school. So, I mean, all like 12 of us knew each other really well. And these two guys showed up named Dave and Brian. And Dave and Brian showed up every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. They'd come to soccer games. They'd go to watch plays and musicals that we were in. They would show up at birthday parties. They'd show, I still remember them showing up at funerals for different people in this small group. And they walked with us all seven years. They were just there. I remember in 11th grade, Dave was an engineer and I shadowed him for shadow day at school. And I showed up at this engineering company. I had on green Doc Martens and it is still legendary. They still apparently talk about this kid that showed up with green shoes at an engineering company to shadow him. And so Dave and Brian to this day, I'm still in touch with. 
And what's amazing about that small group is over half of that small group has gone on to be full-time missionaries, pastors, and church planters. And here's the amazing thing. I'm sure in talking with Dave and Brian over the years, I've asked them, and they were like, yeah, I had no idea if we were making an impact. They just showed up. They'd invite us over to their house after church on Sunday night, and we'd hang out together. They just showed up. They went to camps, which if you've ever gone to camps or a retreat with students, you know you get no sleep. You know, you know that they are, are going to pull pranks on you. They just showed up. They were just faithful. They listened to all kinds of crazy things. They bring the discussion back around. But they just showed up. And as I thought about it this past week, their impact is felt in this room without them ever arriving here. The impact, as I stood down there this morning with that circle and community kids and prayed with them, I stood there and I thought, the impact of this circle will be felt in three generations when we are just a fleeting memory in people's minds. That there will one day be kids and grandkids from the community kids that we are raising up right now that will be impacted by this church, by the presence of people who just showed up, by the presence of people who said, I don't know if I was cool enough to hang out with students. I don't know if I had anything to offer. By the presence of people who said, you know, I'm not, I'm not super friendly, but I'll still say hi and make people feel welcome on a Sunday morning. By the presence of us just showing up in people's lives. See, we so many times in our culture think the only impact that really matters are the really big things. But when we, at the end of the day, sit around with people at a funeral or at a party when we haven't seen them for years, we don't talk about, hey, do you remember that huge thing you did? Do you remember that million dollars you made off of that like, thing? Do you remember that? Do you remember how many likes you had? Do you remember that? No. We just say, hey, do you remember when like, we went on that amazing vacation? Do you remember this party? Do you remember this? I remember one of the, the first funerals I did. I had no idea how to do funerals. And I showed up, and it was a family um, that, that had attended the church that I had planted, but the person who passed away, the father, didn't. So I knew many of the people in the family. And we sat there, and it was just silence. And I just said, hey, so tell me about your dad. And it was just story after story of heartbreak. heartbreak of missed opportunities and regrets. And I sat there for like an hour just listening, and I finally said, okay, is there any, any good stories about your dad? There was just silence. And the one, the one son said, well, he really liked to make salsa. I will never forget getting in the car, and I thought, that is this guy's impact. He made millions of dollars and was one of the most successful people in his circle of friends. And the only thing that someone could say about his impact of those close to him was he liked salsa. He liked to make salsa. And I will never forget driving home and thinking, you know what, impact is just showing up, being faithful. Impact is measured in those relationships. Impact is felt in adopting the attitude of Jesus by putting others first, 
focusing on the things of Jesus and being trustworthy. So here's what I want to ask you to do on your Connect card. You'll notice at the very bottom there where it says next steps. Normally our next step is a word. But today I want to ask you to write a name. And if you're with us online, there's a line there for you to write their name in as well on the next step part there of the Connect card. But I want you to write the name of somebody who God has placed in your circle that you're supposed to be more intentional with. That God has placed you, not somebody else, but he has placed you in their circle for you to make an impact. A person that needs you to probably be a Paul in their life where they're walking, where you're walking with them and you're pouring into them and you're seeing things in them that maybe they don't see in themselves yet. And you're speaking life into them. You're challenging them like Paul did with Timothy and telling him, be courageous, Timothy. Step into what God has for you. Or maybe you need to be that Epaphroditus who just shows up and says, I'll walk 700 miles. Who's the person that God's placed in your life that you're supposed to deal some hope to? That you're supposed to make an impact to? I want you to write their name down. When you do this week, we're gonna send you some ideas on how to step into that, to how to help them, to how to bring hope into their world. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll respond. So Father, I thank you. I thank you for these verses that are easy to skip over and wonder, why did you even place these here? And yet you put them in your word, you inspired them through the power of your spirit to be written so that we would know what it looks like to adopt the attitude of Jesus. So we would know that no matter how afraid we are, no matter how young we are, no matter how old or bad health we have, you are not done yet. And that you can use our lives to count. In your name, amen.